0: volume 1 chapter 1 of evelyn or a heart unmasked this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by kelly taylor evelyn by anna cora mawett chapter 1 when the young bride goes from her father's hall she goes into love yet untried and new she parts from love which hath still been true mrs hemans from catherine bolton to elizabeth montague new york may second eighteen blank it is just two months to-morrow since i arrived in new york lone old body that i am i have not quite lost my taste for social intercourse nor my fondness for the study of human nature which never so completely discards the cloak of conventionalism as in a stage-coach or a boarding-house partly to indulge these predilections and partly for other motives i took up my residence in a fashionable establishment in broadway a fashionable boarding-house i hear you exclaim in surprise pray how are you to encounter fashionable expenses do not be alarmed my cupboard of a chamber in the fourth story so called by courtesy contains a narrow bed which is converted into a sofa in the daytime and a small fancy screen that ornamentally shuts out one corner of the apartment so that i am enabled to turn the bedroom into a boudoir at pleasure the luxurious elegance of my accommodations will hardly ruin me as i took my place at the well-filled breakfast-table the morning after my arrival i was startled by the sound of a familiar voice but the face of the speaker i could not immediately recognize the person who had attracted my attention sat opposite to me and i had an excellent opportunity of scanning her features she was a woman past her prime but bien conservée i think you would have pronounced her if not decidedly handsome at least very distinguished looking all that the potency of art could effect in repairing her perished charms had been essayed nothing could be more studiously becoming than her morning costume a reding coat of dark silk fitting closely to her expansive form the snowy frill that concealed every trace of time's marring fingers upon her graceful throat the half demure half coquettish cap with its neatly fluted border which seemed contrived to set off just such a face the sober and at the same time rich hue of the ribbons that accorded so perfectly with the lady's somewhat faded complexion everything was in harmony everything about her told everything was in excellent taste then she sat with her back to the light complaining of weak eyes that the blinds might be closed there was something very winning about her manners and she riveted the attention of the most indifferent person at will her perfect ease and independence would have degenerated into forwardness had her actions been pervaded by less of grace and suavity she spoke loudly and energetically but then her voice was round and fine and as she desired many listeners it was necessary for her to make herself heard after gazing at her for some time and so intently that i forgot the untasted omelet before me i gradually remembered that altered face and bending forward timidly pronounced her name she looked at me inquiringly a moment and then cordially exclaimed miss bolton kate can it be possible that it is you i assured her of my identity and she instantly addressed her husband who sat at some distance and said mr willard do you remember miss bolton kate have you forgotten mr willard mr willard and i bowed to each other and mrs willard then presented her two daughters who sat one on each side of her ten years had elapsed since i last saw them and ten years ago they were mere children as i glanced at ellen the eldest i could hardly repress an exclamation of pity she was indeed an object to excite compassion her shoulders were high and round and not even her mother's skill in dress could conceal the deep hollow on one side and the swelling on the other formed by a curved spine delicate and small as were her features the rest of her head was remarkably large but beautifully proportioned and adorned with a profuse mass of glossy brown hair simply parted on her brow the air of sad meekness that evinced itself not only upon her countenance but in all her movements rendered even her misfortune attractive from the contemplation of the suffering ellen my eyes turned almost involuntarily to her sister evelyn i should but show my own lack of power if i attempted to give you any adequate idea of her sparkling flashing varying beauty true i might tell you that new-blown roses on a bed of sunlit snow were hardly as brilliant or as rich as her complexion That her long jetty lashes cast so deep a shadow over a pair of darkly blue eyes that at times you would have declared those eyes were black that the veil of shining hair which fell in natural ringlets about her shoulders in some lights was auburn and in others the warmest and glossiest brown and that where the hair parted on her forehead it broke into those graceful waves which art cannot imitate that her nose was almost grecian and her lips although their outlines were fine so full and pouting that their expression had it been less innocent might have been voluptuous i might add that her form was a shade taller and rounder than that of the venus de medicis but not a shade less perfect that she was as energetic as she was restless that every word she uttered was as full of naivete or feeling as every motion was replete with archness and grace and yet you would hardly have a faint conception of the charms that varied as they beamed but i have given you no description of mr willard and it was my intention to bring all my friends before your mind's eye that you might be more interested in their history as far as i can judge of ages mr willard must be about forty picture to yourself a taciturn in who never speaks anything beyond a commonplace and yet delivers his remarks with as much impressive gravity as though he considered every sentence an aphorism in person tall and gaunt with arms and legs which are a dreadful encumbrance to him for he never knows what to do with them a thin and sallow face but features too heavy to be sharp in spite of projecting cheekbones and hollow cheeks "'Small, round, grey eyes, overhanging brows, "'furnished with a goodly quality of bristly reddish hair, "'a consumptive pair of whiskers of deep auburn hue, curtailed in an even line from the mouth, "'a low and deeply furrowed forehead, thin, compressed lips, "'through which the shape of horse-like teeth is partially visible,' a habitual frown that denotes calculation care and disappointment picture all these and you will see mr willard with folded arms and a very absorbed mien sitting before you let me return to my first interview with mrs willard after breakfast she invited me into her own drawing-room and we spent several hours in talking over bygone days since then either because she has had the discernment to discover some congenial qualities in me or because she finds that i can be of service to her we have become very intimate i am almost as indispensable an appendage to her parlour as the sofa or the rocking chair i am made quite as much use of but to that i have no objection mrs willard has a vast number of acquaintances many of them fashionable persons and so she had ten years ago for she possesses a faculty of forcing herself into society to which she has no apparent claim and of making herself welcome to persons whose acquaintance is consented an honor her husband is a wall street broker but as he never had anything to lose not even credit the most ruinous speculations cannot harm him i remember the family ten years ago when they lived in apparent style but were in reality making a desperate effort to keep up appearances and clothe the skeleton poverty in purple and gold they were in the habit of taking a large house and furnishing but one room which was the show-room or company-room the rest of their dwelling was destitute even of common comforts but few ever saw behind the scenes as the rent of the house never made a part of their domestic expenses they generally moved every six months as for servants a new set was engaged every few days who found their home too uncomfortable to remain a week at the longest and were glad enough to quit the field without their wages on one or two occasions to be sure a shrewd domestic would pay himself by purloining a few silver spoons but mrs willard was too watchful for this disaster to occur frequently the manner in which mrs willard gratified her taste for expensive dress is worth mentioning as soon as she ran up a large bill in one store she withdrew her valuable patronage from that establishment and commenced an account with another these accounts as you may suppose she expected to cancel at a doomsday but the willards moved about so frequently that their duns had some difficulty in finding them and when they found the search was only a loss to the seeker as mr willard had by no means the same tact in procuring himself attire which his wife possessed he was generally very shabbily dressed while her toilette was always costly and elegant for about sixteen years or more they lived in the manner i have described that is lived without anything to live upon at last their furniture the very furniture of their company room which had been very often threatened was seized by the sheriff and actually removed from the house what shall we do exclaimed mr willard despondingly this is ruin indeed not so replied his philosophic wife all is for the best my dear evelyn will soon be sixteen it is time to think of an establishment for her there is no place in which one can get acquainted with rich young men so well as in a fashionable boarding-house there it is not necessary for them to take the trouble to call upon you they see you morning and night in a natural way and lose their hearts before they have the time to guard them we must take board my dear in some desirable location you can inquire beforehand what young men there are in the house and before quarter-day comes round evelyn will be married and of course her husband will act like a gentleman "'There was no appeal from Mrs. Willard's decisions. "'Board was taken at the very house "'in which I accidentally engaged my little room. "'The Willards have been there three months, "'and the sagacious mother finds "'that she has made a wise and correct calculation. "'Evelyn's striking beauty and fascination "'could not fail to attract. "'Before she had been a fortnight in the house, half the young men were at her feet mrs willard immediately selected the one whom she supposed would make the most eligible husband for her daughter and summoned all her skill into play in developing and strengthening the young gentleman's growing attachment but how do you suppose she accomplished this desired object by luring him into her own parlour and giving him continual access to her daughter's society and openly encouraging his attentions quite the contrary mr merritt for that is his name was the person of all others to whom she paid the least attention and was the least agreeable When she saw him engaged in animated conversation with her daughter, she invariably interrupted him by calling Evelyn away. When the family attended the theater, he was never requested to join the party, and he was the very last gentleman in the house whom Mrs. Willard had the courtesy to invite into her private parlor mr merritt was piqued at this apparent neglect every obstacle that impeded his free intercourse with evelyn only rendered him more desirous of beholding her more impatient at the continual restraint to which he was subjected under ordinary circumstances he would have taken a year to woo but under these six weeks seemed an eternity at the end of that period he offered himself and his suit was by no means instantly received by the parents they talked of evelyn's youth of their disinclination to part with her and advised mr merritt to wait a few years mr merritt became highly excited and declared that he could not accede to their wishes that he desired to be married immediately and that he should be miserable until the beautiful evelyn was his wife the tender parents especially the mother were greatly moved by his agitation and finally consented that the young couple should be united in six weeks more although they profess to think the union very hasty and rather imprudent there are persons in the house some few cold and calculating persons who pronounce all the imprudence to be on the side of mr Merritt. he is a young man not more than twenty-five years of age a merchant already established in a prosperous business and a master of a moderately large capital his figure is good and his face not exactly handsome but pleasing and intelligent i have not much opportunity of reading his character yet i observe that he is sincere and generous in the extreme is passionately enamored of evelyn but inclined to jealousy and peculiarly sensitive to the world's opinion he would not infringe the rules of etiquette to gratify the dearest wish of his heart he entertains the greatest horror of doing anything different from other people expressing a sentiment would not be generally approved or even wearing a coat or cravat which is not sanctioned by the present usages of society the public is to him a mighty bugbear at its shrine he trembles and bows and lives in perpetual fear of incurring the wrath of the deity deeply he loves evelyn had mrs willard managed her schemes less dexterously had he found leisure to reflect and to make prudent inquiries concerning mr willard's standing in society all mr merritt's enthusiastic idolatry of the beautiful girl would have been insufficient to induce him to make her his wife as for evelyn i cannot say that she returns his affection although she likes him very well is flattered by his attentions and willing to become the mistress of his house by first becoming his wife the seal upon her virgin heart has never yet been broken yet i am sure that heart is a mine of passion passion sparkles in her eyes breathes upon her lips speaks in every word as undefined tenderness pervades all her actions and extends itself almost without discrimination to every being that comes within her sphere in the words of taylor her objectless affection spread not wholly unemployed but squandered at large where'er her fancy wandered it is therefore that i dread to see those affections concentrated unless they centre upon her husband as yet i am sure she has never loved but then she is only sixteen a few days ago as she seated herself with careless grace of a child at my feet and fondly turned her magnificent eyes to mine i ventured to say to her evelyn you will soon become a wife do you think you will be happy happy she replied gaily why not do you love mr merritt to be sure do you not you if you truly loved him you would hardly ask the question of another perhaps not but still I like him as well as I like anybody I ever saw. And you think you will be happy? Happy as the day is long. Does not mother say so? I did not, for I could not reply, but as I looked upon her bright face, I inwardly offered up a prayer that it might never be shadowed by the struggles of a yearning heart. OR THE PANGS OF A REBUKING conscience. Yesterday was the bridal morning, a beautiful morning it was, all nature seemed to smile upon the nuptials, and the sunshine within reflected the sunshine without, Evelyn danced about like a gleeful child, perfectly unimpressed by the solemnity of the vows she was about to make mrs willard was fluttered and agitated so busy that she did not know which way to turn and so delighted that she could do nothing at all the father spent half the morning in brushing that off-scoured coat coaxing his meagre hair and whiskers to remain where he had placed them and surveying his own smiling face in the mirror ellen looked less sad than usual and as none of the others had their wits about them made herself very useful the ceremony was to take place in st mark's church at two o'clock and the bride and groom after returning with their friends to the house and partaking of a splendid collation were to leave the city and make the fashionable tour spending several days at niagara and a few more at the springs at about ten o'clock mrs willard and ellen commenced to dress evelyn and as you may suppose i was called in to assist at her toilette at first she would hardly remain quiet a single moment a magnificent set of diamonds the gift of her bridegroom occupied her whole attention she fastened the necklace around her slender throat clasped the bracelets on her fair arms and placed the splendid tiara upon her head the glittering star which formed a brooch upon her bosom and the diamond guard upon her delicate finger then flew to the glass and gambled before it until our eyes were dazzled by the rainbow lights which such a galaxy of diamonds emitted at every moment after a while she submitted herself to my care and i commenced arraying her in the bridal robes her shining tresses soon fell in ringlets about her white shoulders shadowed by the sweeping veil of meshlin lace once more the diamonds were clasped about her young brow and sparkled on her swelling bosom her dress only needed to complete her toilette come and assist me kate said mrs willard evelyn had better remain in her wrapper for half an hour longer evelyn consented to this proposition and i left her to busy myself setting off the charms of mrs willard for nearly a quarter of an hour the bride was forgotten as i neither saw nor heard her i presume she had left the room but turning round to search for a stray ribbon i beheld evelyn seated upon a low stool leaning her forehead against the wall her arms hanging motionless beside her the pupils of her large eyes strangely dilated as she gazed upon some fearful object in the distance i thought i had never beheld her cheek so pale nor her countenance so full of mingled grief and horror alarmed at her position and air i ran up to her and pronounced her name but she moved not she did not hear me i placed my hand upon her shoulder it was very cold and she started and trembled at my touch dear evelyn said I, what is the matter? She pointed to a large mirror opposite, and replied in a voice that sounded hoarse and unnatural to my ears, look there. I looked and beheld her own form reflected, and told her that I did so. I saw my own form too, but not as it looks now, she answered, shuddering, and still gazing in the glass. It was worn and emaciated, and covered with rags, and Wake up foolish girl you're dreaming come your bridegroom is waiting she sprang up at these words and said so i was dreaming do you know that i always have strange dreams and that they always forebode something yes and i know too that wise old women always interpret dreams by contraries therefore yours is a good one so it is so it is give me my dress how these diamonds sparkle what a blaze of light come dress me we obeyed her commands and she was soon attired for the altar had my vice prevailed her toilette would have been perfectly simple that her youth and beauty might have shone forth more conspicuously but her mother insisted that every article of dress which evelyn wore should be as costly as money or rather the promise of money could purchase and she really looked i was about to say like an angel but a houri would be more appropriate for if there was anything angelic about her it belonged to the warm sense stirring beauty of the mahometan's paradise rather than the pure and holy loveliness of christian's heaven the brilliant hue that usually mantled her cheek had been returned to them and the careless smile to her lips and the warm glow to her light heart everybody shared her happiness but myself i could not forget the appalling expression that but a few minutes ago had left its frightful impress on her countenance the bridesmaids are ready and mr Merritt is waiting said ellen as she entered the chamber let me see my bridesmaids first replied evelyn they were admitted and clasped in the warm embrace of the beauteous bride the first bridesmaid laura hilson was a young lady with whom evelyn had been come acquainted in the house where we were boarding she is a tall stylish-looking girl dark-browed with a strongly marked but fine features, and a very ladylike deportment. Amy Ewell, the second, has long been one of Evelyn's most intimate friends. She is picturesque-looking rather than pretty. Her countenance is sweet and gentle, but too placid for my taste, and her manners appear to me reserved and cold. Yet Evelyn loves her tenderly, and declares that the attachment is fully reciprocated i was summoned from the chamber to complete my own preparations and therefore did not witness evelyn's meeting with mr merritt the next time i beheld the bride and groom they had just alighted from their carriage and were ascending the church steps they entered walked slowly down the long aisle followed by the numerous bridal party and ranged themselves in front of the chancel the clergyman rose and the ceremony commenced if you have ever read the episcopalian bridal service you know how thrillingly impressive is every line especially when the ceremony is performed in the church where the echoes give back the ministers and the brides and the bridegroom's words and no other sounds are heard you will think me a nervous creature but when the clergyman demanded if evelyn would take walter for her husband and would cling to him until death parted them A cold shudder ran through my frame. The minister bent forward to catch Evelyn's response, for no reply was audible. She did not bow her head, neither did her lips move. I stood where I could see her face, and the same expression passed over her blanched countenance, which had before terrified me that morning. The question was repeated. Instantly Evelyn looked up, smiled brightly, and replied in a loud and clear voice, i will how the ceremony proceeded and concluded i cannot say for i neither saw nor heard anything more i felt faint and was forced to sit down before long i was roused by persons moving around me evelyn was a wife and receiving the congratulations of thronging friends but before i could approach her she was led back to the carriage by the enchanted husband i was too much fatigued and indisposed to be present at the collation but i heard that evelyn was the gayest of the gay that mr merritt looked like the personification of human happiness that mrs willard expressed her delight at every other word that mr willard could not find language for his and that all the company pronounced the wedding one of the merriest they had ever witnessed evelyn and her husband started for niagara in the afternoon and mrs willard forced me out of bed that i might spend that evening in her parlor and listen to her plans and re-echo her hopes and sympathize with her happiness all this i did and when you reflect that it gave me a severe headache from which i have been suffering to-day you will confess that i lacked not good-nature in writing you so long a letter chapter one